everybody. We uh, started a while back on Sunday nights, whenever I speak on Sunday nights, looking at some stories of the faith, stories of faith, heroes uh, of the faith. And so tonight, uh, we're going to take a few minutes and look uh, at the apostles, the apostles, the 12 men uh, that Christ called uh, to be his followers. And so we're going to take a little bit of time. We're going to look a little bit uh, at the apostles and then we're going to look at the martyrdom of the apostles. And in looking at this, uh, I hope that it challenges our heart uh, as to our seriousness regarding the faith. And so uh, probably uh, this will be more uh, like a, a teaching a lesson than it will be preaching, although when I teach I still tend to preach. But anyway, I will try to keep this more lesson-like. But we're just going to be looking at these, uh, the apostles and the things that took place in their life. We're going to start in Luke chapter number 6. Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 12. This is where we find an account of Jesus calling the apostles. We have all their names together uh, here. So we'll start here reading in Luke chapter number 6. In Luke 6 and verse number 12, it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. I'm just going to stop right here and say this is very interesting to me, that this is Jesus. This is God incarnate. This is God in the flesh. And he is getting ready to choose 12 men that will serve with him during his earthly ministry. And before he chose those 12 men, Jesus, God incarnate, spent all night in prayer. I'm just saying that if Jesus spends all night in prayer before he makes a decision, I believe we could learn from that and we would do well to spend a little bit of time in prayer before we make important decisions. But he spent all night in prayer and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples and of them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother. James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for this family and Father that we're able to come together. I thank you, dear Father, for bringing us together uh, here at Marlbrook Baptist Church. Lord, I think of each person that is here tonight. And Lord, I thank you for each one of them. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. I thank you, dear Lord, for their love for you. I thank you, uh, Father, for their love for the Word and their love for the ministry. And Father, I pray that you will bless in the service tonight, Lord, as we uh, look in into your word and then Lord look into history concerning uh, these 12 men Lord that you chose uh, to labor alongside of you and Lord I pray that as we look at their life and we look at what you called them to do and we see how they gave their life to you Father I pray dear Lord that it will challenge us uh, uh, Father that we will continue to be people who are sold out to you Father we thank you for your goodness to us bless us throughout this evening and Lord we'll praise you in Jesus name 
Amen and amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see the calling of the apostles. Now, in other uh, Gospels, there is a little more detail given uh, in the calling of these apostles, but here we see a condensed version uh, where we have them all together. But Jesus called these 12 men uh, to come and follow Him. You know, I believe this is a good example uh, that none of us can do everything by ourselves. Jesus said there is a ministry that must be accomplished, uh, so the first thing I'm going to do is hire 12 people to help me do it. Uh, There is nothing that we can do on our own and whenever we try to do everything on our own, we'll quickly realize how incapable we are. And so Jesus called these men uh, of course we have their names here, uh, Simon who he called Peter Andrew, James, John, Philip Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas uh, James the son of Alphaeus uh, Simon, Judas the brother of James and Judas Iscariot. Now we see that uh, after After this, of course, these men served with Jesus. They followed him. They went with him. They were with him in the miracles. And during this time that they were serving with Jesus, he was also training them and teaching them and equipping them. Although they were helping him in his ministry, ultimately, Jesus was preparing them for the day that he would ascend to heaven and they would take over the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he trained them. He invested in them. And he taught them so that when he left, they would be able to take over. In Acts 1.8, we find the ministry that Jesus gave the apostles. We find the ministry of the apostles. Here in Acts 1.8, we find that just before Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus instructed the disciples concerning their earthly ministry after he returned into heaven. He's getting ready to ascend and he said, after I'm gone, this is what I want you to do. This is the responsibility that I am leaving with you. And he said in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of of the earth. We see here uh, that Jesus gave uh, to them a ministry. He said, I'm getting ready to leave. Uh, I'm getting ready to go. Uh, I have invested in you. I have trained you. I have taught you. Uh, Now I'm getting ready to go and after I'm gone, your ministry uh, is to be a witness of me. Jesus has already died. He's been buried. He has resurrected Uh, and now as the resurrected Lord, he is telling them, when I'm gone, your job is to tell the world that I was indeed the Savior. I really did die. I really did raise again. And you are to tell the world of who I am. That is the job that I'm giving you. You know, it's interesting. A lot of times whenever we work with someone, we have a lot of confidence. You know, we're somebody's helper and we're working along and we're helping that person and doing things with them. And then one day they'll say, you know what you're doing. You go ahead and go do it by yourself. And I mean, we feel all kind of nervous. I'm not sure if I do know what I'm doing. Little Miss Kale, she likes to help me out here at church every once in a while. And she'll come up with something that needs copied. And I'll say, well, come with me and I'll show you how to copy it. Well, come with me and I'll show you how to do this. And so I'll show her how to work the copying machine and everything. Well, a couple of days ago, she came up and her mom had something that she needed uh, Kale to copy for. And Kale said, Dad, we need copies of this. I said, go copy it. You know what you're doing. And she said, "I, I, I don't know if I do know what I'm doing. And I said, oh yeah, you know what you're doing. I've seen you do it before. Well, this is kind of the situation that we see here with the apostles. Uh, They've been working alongside the Lord Jesus Christ, but now he says... 
I'm leaving. You're going to be on your own now. But what I want you to do is be a witness of me. I want you to tell the world who I am and that I really died and I rose again. And in the remainder of the book of Acts, we find that the apostles were faithful to their calling. In Acts 2 and verse number 32, it says, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Here we see them witnessing to the fact uh, that Jesus uh, has risen again. In Acts 3.15, again they are speaking. It says, And killed the prince of life, uh, whom God hath raised from the dead, uh, whereof we are witnesses. We were there. We seen it. We witnessed it. He rose again. In Acts 4 and verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. In Acts 5 and verse number 32, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost. In Acts 10 verse 39, it says, And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. The apostles were faithful to do that which God had called them to do. He said, I want you to be witnesses of me. And all through the book of Acts, we see over and over and over again that the apostles said, we are witnesses that Jesus rose from the dead. Now this is important to recognize for when we get a little later on in the messages. The, the, the apostles said, we have seen him, we uh, were there with him. We witnessed it and we are telling you he did raise from the dead. We are witnesses of the fact that he rose from the dead. We see that as they witnessed of him, there was a message that they proclaimed. We see here the message of the apostles. In First John 1 and verse number 1, the apostle John speaking here, he says, that which was from the beginning speaking of Jesus, God incarnate, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. What was the message that the apostles proclaimed? The apostles proclaimed this message. We we have heard him, we have seen him, we have touched him, we have handled him, we have ate with him, and we declare to you that salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God in flesh, he was from the beginning, and we declare to you that we are witnesses, that we've seen him, we know him, 
and we proclaim him. This was the message that the apostles proclaimed. If you go through the New Testament and you look at the sermons that are recorded in the New Testament, whether they were preached by Peter or by Paul or other ones that we look and we find these messages that were preached, every message that we have recorded was the apostles taking the Old Testament scriptures and proving that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, the way of salvation. They were proclaiming over and over and over again that He was the Son of God. He was the way of salvation. This is something they believed in. It is something they stood for. It is something that they proclaimed. The apostles said this is what He has called us to do and we will do it. Because of this message, and this is where we're headed this evening, because of this message we find that all but two of the apostles were martyred for their faith. All but two of the apostles were martyred for their faith. Why were they martyred? Because of this message. What is a martyr? Now, of course, in the original Greek setting of the word, the understanding of the word martyr, it simply means a witness. But later on, it came to refer to one who died for their testimony of the Lord Jesus. And that is the standard Christian meaning for the word martyr to now today is someone who dies because of their testimony of the Lord Jesus. And so we see that each of the apostles were martyred. Now, why were they martyred? The apostles were martyred because they would not recant what they believe. Now, I, I really don't feel that I'm going to be able to express what I feel inside about this, but I'm going to attempt to. The apostles would not go back on the fact that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. They would not go back on it. People would say to them, you must quit preaching that he rose from the dead because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then the faith that Jesus taught was no different than all the other faiths that had risen up over time and the Jews could say it was no truth to it, it didn't hold any water and they could stop it. But the disciples said, we will not, we will not, we will not recant on what we are saying and the reason we won't recant is because we know that he rose again. I will not change what I'm saying. I will not say that he didn't rise again because my eyes have seen him, my ears have heard him, my hands have handled him, and therefore I will not change what I'm saying. Their belief was so strong that even when facing death, they said I would have to lie. I would have to lie. You know, many times we will create this scenario and we'll say if someone came in, let's say they come in with a gun and they threaten all of our lives unless we deny the Lord. Would you deny the Lord? And many times whenever we present that scenario, in our mind, it's like it's a decision. It's like it's a decision. Would I decide to keep believing in Jesus or would I decide to turn my back on Jesus? It's like it's a decision that we are able to make in that moment. And of course we all say, oh no, 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 I would, you know, I would die for Jesus, you know, but sometimes in the back of our mind whenever we're saying that in our mind we're thinking I'm not really sure what I would do in that situation. And it's because in our mind it's a decision. Do I believe or do I not? 
Now, I know that the apostles had seen the physical Lord Jesus Christ. They had physically touched him. They had audibly heard him. They knew that he did rise again. But their belief in what they had seen was so strong that it wasn't a decision. Will I decide to keep believing or not? It wasn't a decision. It was an ingrained belief that they could not go back on. It was an ingrained belief that they could not recant. They could not turn away from it. They could not deny it because they knew it was true. Now, whenever we think of that, I think of my own faith. Now, I have not seen Jesus physically, but I have definitely experienced the Lord Jesus Christ. I have definitely experienced Him walking with me and talking with me. I have definitely experienced a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever it comes to the point that someone wants to know if you'll deny the faith, it need not be a decision. Do I want to keep believing or do I decide not to believe? No, there needs to be an experience. There needs to be a relationship. There needs to be an encounter so that at that moment it's not a decision but we say I cannot turn my back on him because I know that he is real. We see that the disciples were martyred because they would not stop proclaiming the truth of the resurrection. Whenever we look at the death of the apostles, the only there are two apostles' deaths that is recorded in the word of God. One of course is Judas Iscariot who wasn't a martyr, but who went out and hung himself because he had betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. The second that is recorded in the Word of God is a martyr, and that is James the Greater. James the Greater. There were two apostles named James and James the Greater. We don't know if that meant that he was a big fella and James the Less was a little fella. We don't know if maybe James the Greater had a big booming voice and James the Less was soft-spoken. Uh, but for whatever reason, this is the way that they were referred to. I find it interesting that Jesus liked to nickname his apostles. Uh, uh, he had Simon and he nicknamed him Peter. He had two Jameses, so one was James the Great and one was James the Less. Uh, he liked giving them nicknames. But we see here that this was James the Great. Uh, the one that was referred to that. James the Great was the son of Zebedee. Uh, he was the older brother of the apostle John. And in Acts chapter number 12, verse 1 and 2, we read of the death of James, the first apostle to die a martyr's death, not the first martyr. Stephen uh, would have died before him. But we see here that James, it says in Acts 12, verse number 1, Now about the time, that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now we don't know if this means that he beheaded him or he just ran him through with the sword, but we see that Herod the king, uh, uh, he wanted to gain some popularity with the people uh, and so he took the apostle James uh, and he killed him with the sword. We remember the story. Uh, this was the time that he also imprisoned Peter with intention of killing Peter as well, but the church gathered together and the church prayed and the Lord released Peter from that. Uh, but we see here that James uh, uh, was wrongfully slain uh, because of his testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the remainder of the apostles, we do not have a biblical account of their death, but we do have historical records and Jewish traditions that tell us how each of the other 
Apostles died. There are varied accounts. Some some apostles have a couple different accounts, which I have noted in this. But the ones that I'm sharing with you come from Fox's Book of Martyrs. You may be familiar with this book. It's been trusted for years as a good resource. And so what I'm giving you come from this book. If you go doing your own research and find something different, just tell you where I got my research from. But when we look at this, we see that how each of the apostles died. Philip. Philip was crucified in Phrygia around A.D. 54. He was crucified. As we go through this, you will see that many of the apostles were crucified. And I know that whenever Jesus taught and he said, take up your cross and follow me, that there was definitely a much broader meaning to that that even applies to you and I today. But when we look at how many apostles died on a cross, it had a much stronger meaning to them than I believe it ever will to you and I. Philip was preaching and was crucified for his preaching. Matthew, we don't have a lot of history about Matthew after the ascension of the Lord Jesus, but we do know that he went to Ethiopia with the gospel and was preaching in Ethiopia. And because of his preaching, Matthew was beheaded in Ethiopia around A.D. 60. James the Less... James the Less was the brother of Jesus. He was also the author of the book of James. And uh, by all accounts, it seems that he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. According to the Jewish historian uh, Josephus, uh, we see that James was stoned to death by the order of Annas the high priest in A.D. 66. And so Josephus records, uh, the Jewish historian says that um, he was stoned to death. Uh, uh, But Eusebius, a Christian historian, says that James was cast down from the temple tower, but it didn't kill him. And so they took what is called a fuller's club, and Eusebius says that that could have either been a blacksmith's hammer or a club made for beating out rugs. It could have been either one. They threw him down from the temple. When he hit the ground, he was broken up, but he wasn't dead. And so they took a fuller's club and smashed his head into the ground until they killed him. Why? Because he was preaching that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. You know what? Sometimes we feel that we are facing opposition to the gospel. We've never faced opposition like this. And remember, the church is young. But yet these men say, we cannot recant. We know that he is risen. Matthias. Matthias was elected to fill the place of Judas. After Judas hung himself, Matthias was elected, and we really have no record in the Word of God about Matthias other than that he was elected to take the place of Judas. But historical records tell us that because of his preaching, Matthias was stoned and then beheaded in Jerusalem because of his faithfulness to proclaim the gospel. We then come to Andrew, the brother of Peter. Andrew uh, traveled and preached quite a bit after the death or after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Andrew was crucified in Edessa on an X-shaped cross. Some of these are some of these records are. They say we're sure that they were martyred, but it could have been this way, could have been that way. Some of them are pretty concrete, and Andrew is one that is pretty concrete, that he was crucified on an X-shaped cross, and it's traditionally become known as St. Andrew's cross. It's also said that Andrew wasn't nailed to the cross, but he was tied to the cross, and that he hung for three days before he passed. 
Why? Because he said, I won't stop preaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the way of salvation. Peter, we all love Peter. According to the early Christian writer, Jesippus, Peter was crucified by Nero. But at Peter's request, he was placed on the cross upside down because he didn't count himself worthy to die the same way that Jesus did. Now, we don't know for sure, but Jesippus says that Peter was, they had, word had gotten out that Peter was going to be executed and that Peter tried to flee the city. But then Peter turned around and went back and said that if he had to die for his Savior, he would die for his Savior. But if they were going to kill him, to hang him upside down. He said, I'll keep preaching that Jesus is the way. Jude, also known as Judas, not Iscariot, or Thaddeus, uh, and there's also uh, Labaius. Uh, he, the Jude, he had a lot of names, uh, uh, but a lot of different titles that he went by. Jude was the brother of James, and he also was crucified in Edessa for preaching the gospel. Bartholomew. Tradition tells us that Bartholomew was quite the evangelist after Christ ascended and he traveled and preached in several countries, uh, taking the gospel all over uh, the country, preaching in many different countries, uh, uh, that Bartholomew translated the gospel of Matthew into East Indian. He translated, so he would have been one of our first tra Bible translators, translating the Bible into another language so he could teach it. And so he was in, uh, in the East Indian language and he was teaching the book of Matthew in that country, but there in that country, pagan enemies found him, beat him until he was nearly lifeless and then crucified him. Why? Because he was proclaiming that Jesus was the way of salvation. Thomas, doubting Thomas. You know what? Thomas was doubting Thomas, and that's what we know him for. But whenever Thomas recognized his mistake, he got set on fire for the gospel. And although we refer to him as Doubting Thomas, Thomas was a man uh, who was turning the world upside down for the cause of Christ. Uh, Thomas preached the gospel in Persia, Parthia, and India, going and preaching, spreading the gospel. And in Kalamina, India, uh, Thomas was tortured. Uh, then he was run through with spears. Uh, and then they threw him into a flaming oven to finish his life off. Why? Because he was bringing the hope of the gospel. Simon the Zealot, very little is recorded in the Word of God about Simon the Zealot, and there's not a lot historically recorded about Simon the Zealot. But there is record that Simon the Zealot did die a martyr's death for preaching the gospel. But there's a couple of accounts. One account says that he was crucified. Another account says that he was sawn in half. Either way, he died because he was preaching the gospel. John, Apostle John, is the apostle who escaped martyrdom. But John was boiled in oil. He was forced to drink poison. 
He was exiled to Patmos, which uh, many don't know that Patmos wasn't just a deserted island like many Sunday school papers uh, illustrate it, but Patmos was a labor camp where uh, he labored from sunup to sundown. Uh, he was uh, not treated correctly. He was treated as a slave, a prisoner, and was sent to the labor camps in Patmos. Uh, uh, but after a while, uh, most uh, history agrees that he was released from Patmos uh, and came back to his home in Ephesus, and John was the one apostle who escaped martyrdom and he died in his home there in Ephesus around A.D. 98. He may have escaped martyrdom, but he didn't escape suffering. And he was, he was tortured and all these things because of his belief and his preaching in the gospel. The apostle Paul as one born out of due season. Apostle Paul wrote, 13 books in the New Testament. Apostle Paul did much to reach the Gentiles. Mine and your salvation indirectly is linked to, to the ministry of Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was beheaded in A.D. 66 because of his belief in the gospel. Each one of these men, each one of these men lost their life. Why? Because they said we're not going to go back on the fact that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. We can learn several things by looking at these apostles, but the one that I want to point out is there is a hardness to sin that will cause people to reject the gospel. There is a desire to live for myself and in my own way and according to my ideals that will cause people to reject the gospel. These men were proclaiming there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. But those that killed them, there were religious people that killed them. There were pagans that killed them. There were sinful men that that killed them. There were religious people that killed them. Why? All of them for the same reason. We don't want to change our lifestyle. We don't like that you're telling us we need to. Therefore, they killed them. Each and every one of them. As I think of these men, I think in memory of the apostles and as I read these stories and prepared this lesson, I asked myself the question, where is my faith? We live a pretty comfy life. We live a pretty comfy life. The little bit of persecution, if we want to call it that, that we have faced pales in comparison to what many people have faced. And that little bit of persecution, many times, if we were to be honest, is self-inflicted. Something we've brought upon ourselves because of an incorrect way of presenting the gospel or a bad attitude or something like that and then we claim that we're being persecuted for Christ. There is some true persecution, but there is some that's self-inflicted. All in all, we live a pretty comfy life. We've never faced anything like this. But I believe with all my heart that if the Lord tarries is coming, we're going to see the world get worse and worse and worse. There is still a remnant in this country that we live in. There is still a remnant of a memory that this is a Christian nation. There is still, there is still a lot of folks uh, alive uh, who grew up in a nation that followed God and lived for God. There's still a lot of folks that have strong morals and that presence is helping maintain this country. 
But you give us another 10 years, another 20 years, another 30 years, many of that generation are going to be passing off the scene. And a new generation is coming up that do not know God. There's a new generation coming into leadership. There's a new generation writing the law books even right now in our day. There is a new generation that is rethinking the way that everything is done. And in another 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to find yourself in a totally different America than you live in today. Where is my faith? Is it as strong as the apostles were? Where's my faith? Am I motivated by a belief, Brother Ted, that I, I can't go back on? When they hold the gun to my head and they say, if you do not recant, we're going to shoot you. And I'm like, I can't. I can't recant because I'm driven by a belief. Or is it just a mental ascent? Is it just a convenience? Is it something that I grew up in it and I've always been a part of it and all my friends are a part of it and everything I know has to do with church and so it's just something I enjoy doing. But when it comes to the point of losing my life, will I recognize at that moment that it's not a heart-seated belief but instead it's just been something I've always thought was convenient? Where is our faith? Is it real? Have you experienced that presence, that relationship, that interaction? Have you gotten the Word of God and allowed God to speak to you through His Word? Have you conformed yourself to Him and recognized His ability to answer prayer? Have you seen Him meet your needs and take care of you? Have you become a person that takes everything to Him so that when it comes to that point, it's not a question. It's a done deal. You can't go back on it. Where is my faith? Are we ready to be offered? Are we so convinced of Christ that we will proclaim Him knowing it may cost our life? We did an outreach seminar this past weekend challenging us to go out and spread the gospel. And honestly, I could go out tomorrow pretty much anywhere within driving distance and I could share the gospel pretty much with anybody I encounter. And the worst that I'm going to face is someone will ignore me or maybe if I get in a really rough neighborhood, someone may say some foul language towards me. Really in no danger whatsoever of losing my life. Am I so convinced of the gospel that I'll continue to share it when I'm in danger of losing my life? I believe if the Lord tarries His coming, I may find myself in that position. Am I that convinced that I would keep sharing? The martyred apostles died because they had seen the resurrected Christ. To deny His resurrection would have been lying. They said, we can't deny it. We know it is true. The martyrdom of the apostles, because of their faith, is one of the strongest historical proofs that we have that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. These men probably did not realize as each of them gave their life the testimony that they were leaving behind.
But now, in our day, and someone says, do you believe that Jesus really rose from the dead? Well, I wasn't there. I didn't physically see him. I don't have the proof that the apostles did. But the fact that there are ten men listed here who gave their life because they said we cannot, we cannot deny it. We saw him. Had it been a lie, had they been trying to propagate a lie, had they been trying to promote their cause, had they took the body of Jesus and hid it somewhere else. Uh, had he not really risen again? When it came to that point that someone said you're going to die if you keep preaching the resurrection uh, then the apostles would have said wait, 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 wait. We made all that up uh, because they would have never died uh, to protect a lie. But they said we cannot go back uh, because it is real and because each of these men gave their life uh, because of the truth that he rose again. Uh, you and I now have the testimony of these men that he did indeed rise again. And so we can have the same belief that they did. I look at these men and I ask myself, how does my faith compare? Am I so convinced that it would be impossible to go back on what I believe? I hope that it is. I hope that I am that convinced. But you know what this challenges me to do? It challenges me during this time that I still have freedom. It challenges me to get to know him even better. It challenges me to get into his word even more. It challenges me to spend more time in prayer. It challenges me to strengthen my faith. So when that day comes, I can stand as the apostles did. You know, oftentimes I read stories of martyrs, and boy, there's many good stories of martyrs, both in this book and many others of men who the gun wouldn't be placed to their head, but it would be placed to the head of their wife or their children. And they say, I, what I believe is what I believe. I can't go back. The man that wrote, I have decided to follow Jesus, found himself in that exact situation. One by one, they killed his wife and his children. And he just kept saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, one child after another child after another child. And I read those stories. Brother Tommy, I say, if they put a gun to my head, that's one thing, but a head, gun to the head of my children, how would I do? But you know what if I'm convinced? Absolutely, 100% convinced that this is the truth. As much as it breaks my heart, as much as I would be filled with tear-filled eyes, I would say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And you know what? If I believe this book, although it would be hard to see the suffering of my family, if I believe this book, I would know that I'll see them again just shortly. I would know that it's not the end, but rather it's the beginning. I would know that there's coming a day when we will be reunited if I truly, genuinely believe this book. Boy, this, this evening as we look at these stories of faith, let's let it challenge our hearts. And let us seek the Lord and say, Lord, put something in my heart. I don't want a head knowledge, Lord. I don't want a mental consent. I don't want to just do this because it's convenient. But Lord, I want to follow you because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that you are who you say you are. And if the world falls apart, I will continue being a light and a witness regardless of what this world may do to me.
Let us pray that this will challenge our hearts. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of these men. Lord, I look forward to the day when I can meet these men. And Lord, we can shake hands. And Lord, they can tell me what it was like to serve alongside you. They can tell me what it was like, uh, uh, Lord, to take the gospel into all the world. Uh, Lord, many places that had never even heard of you. And Father, they went and they proclaimed. Uh, Lord, they spread the gospel. Lord, I look forward to the day that I meet these men. But Lord, we know if you tarry, you're coming. We may find ourselves uh, in a similar situation. And Father, I pray we will be challenged by their stories that Lord, we also will be strong in the faith and Lord that we will be a testimony of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord that through our faith others may put their trust in you. Father I pray. Thank you Lord for this opportunity to be in your house. I pray dear Lord that you'll strengthen us. Uh, Lord I pray dear Lord as we go out to, into the community this week to our workplaces and amongst our family and friends that Lord we will be a witness. That Lord we will be a light to, and Lord that we will see folks come to know you as Savior. Thank you for your good Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.